Gender, sexuality, and marriage occupy the minds of young people and society in general. There are many Western theories on the subject that have become trendy in India today. But what does Jyotisha Shastra have to say about all of this? This is the topic of my discussion with a preeminent astrologer who understands the astrological significance of these topics. Namaste, Vijay Vishwanathan here for the Infinity Foundation channel. My guest today is none other than Sri PBR Narsim Harao. He's very popular among our viewers, but for those who do not know him, I'm going to read a very short bio. Sri PBR Narsim Harao has a bachelor's degree from IIT Madras and a master's degree from Rice University. And he works as a senior engineering manager for a large semiconductor firm in the greater Boston area. Sri PBR Narsim Harao uh, stood first in the entire state of Andhra Pradesh in his pre-university examinations before he entered IIT Madras. Another fun fact about Sri Narsim Harao is that Chhatrapati Shivaji's Prime Minister was one Peshwa Moropant Pingle, who happens to be Sri PVR Narsimha Rao's ancestor. He was not only a learned Brahmana, but Peshwa Moropant Pingle was a great strategist, and he also was a warrior who fought in major wars during his time. The P in Sri PVR Narsimha Rao refers to Pingali, which is a mild modification to the original Pingle. So with that introduction, I welcome Sri PBR Narasimha Rao to the show. Namaste, so wonderful to have you with us. Namaste Vijayaji and namaste to all the viewers. So I want to start off, uh, uh, Sri Rao. Many wonder if you are just opining on some of these subjects or if you have a Shastrik basis. So all Indic knowledge systems like we know have a set of grammar, be it yoga, Ayurveda, uh, Ganita, uh, I'm assuming Jyotisha as well. So ha they have a set of terms uh, and tight definitions for those terms. And then there are rules and approaches, uh, logical approaches to come up with solutions in that particular field of knowledge. Now, I wanted to ask you, what is the grammar of Jyotisha for a layman? Can you explain to us uh, in, in, in a brief way how how you come up with uh, these um, uh, these solutions to the questions or answers to some of these questions based on Jyotisha's grammar? Basically, the, the momentum of karmas that people are carrying with them when they're coming to this life is controlled by the planetary position when they enter the, enter the world. So at the time of birth, if you, if you look at the planetary positions, that controls your destiny. Similarly, when you're talking about a marriage or when you're talking about incorporating a company, at the time that entity comes into being, if you can make a chart and that basically controls. Now, the thing is how, how that chart controls one's destiny, there are various rules and very, very complicated rules. The basic parameters are you have the 12 signs, 12 zodiacal signs, Rashis, you have the nine planets, and then there are a lot of other combinations like nakshatras and then you have, you have dashas, which divide life period into various parts. There is gochar, which is basically with respect to your, your birth positions, how positions currently are, because they keep planets keep moving. So as they move, they will have different synergy with the birth positions, and that also has an impact. So these, these are the basic parameters. But the thing is, Rishis have taught so many, uh, so, so many different aspects of how you can judge 
the interaction between planets and your destiny how planets in, in influence various parts of your destiny so there are there are a lot of classics and the one that i mostly uh, rely on is called brahat parasara horashastram it is written by parasara maharshi who is the father of maharshi vyasa so that is that is the bible of i mean if people can tolerate saying the word bible in this context i'm just using colloquial you say that's the bible of astrology that is really the moreover parasara is considered to be the prime authority for kaliyuga he came just before kaliyuga was starting he explicitly says also people of kaliyuga are are pretty dumb they are intellectual pygmies that's the word he uses and they cannot cannot balance so many factors because he gives so many different factors they cannot balance all these factors so i'll simplify things for them so that is what he says so his guidance is the most apt for use in kaliyuga but unfortunately what happened is because this is kaliyuga and we are basically around deepest point in kaliyuga uh, the the teaching of sri krishna and brahmana purana is bhavishya purana actually bhavishya purana is that after kaliyuga starts first 5000 years dharma will deteriorate and come to a really bottom level and then basically next 5000 years things will change after that again it will start deteriorating but slower this time so because we are at nearly that ebb at this time especially in the last 1000 or 2000 years the knowledge has become really corrupted so even though the sanskrit verses are there as a reference people have interpreted incorrectly and people don't even use everything he taught he taught 16 different charts people use only one of them rashi and maybe navamsya they don't use the other charts so like that he taught like uh, tens of dasha systems people use only one of them called vimshotri dasha so bottom line is i do i do follow uh, sastras especially as taught by maharshi parasara but my interpretations may be different from somebody else's interpretations as a matter of fact in the last decade or two we have been trying hard to really understand what parasara meant clearly because there's a lot of corruption in people's understanding of what parasara taught okay uh, this so this is essentially a complex system with many moving parts and so you have to interpret uh these uh, d- different effects of different um, rashis and and uh, different planets and all of that in a correct way so essentially it's a complex system right. trying to it's a with. complex system but unfortunately what happened is even some of the basic parameters like calculation of some specific charts there have, there have been corruptions in the last millennium so even s- some basic parameters have been corrupted in the the definition that was given by parasara because it's not crystal clear there are some little bit of ambiguities and in some cases there's not even ambiguity but people were just dumb people just did not apply themselves which is possible and this is this is something that happens with the teachings of rishis when the time is not conducive for people to benefit from the knowledge the knowledge gets like corrupted intentionally this is a locking mechanism for the knowledge and this is true not only for jyotisha this is true for subjects like ayurveda vastu various various subtle uh, teachings of rishis they get corrupted when the time is wrong and it may be misused by people and when dharma has to again flourish at that time we can rediscover the meaning because it's it's all there the all the clues are right there somebody just has to apply themselves okay so often times pilgrim pilgrimage fasting and yagyas are recommended as a parihara as upaya 
in Jyotisha. In what ways do they interfere with the prarabdha karma, the set of prarabdha karma that one comes into this life with? In general, any act you engage in will change the pipeline of karmas you are carrying. Bottom line is, imagine that there is a tube with a lot of balls in it. So your karmic pipeline is like a tube having a lot of balls. So it's not a first in, first out kind of tube. Whatever comes in, comes in first may come out later. So if you throw newer balls into the pipe, your the balls inside may be rearranged. So every act that you do right now gets into the pipeline. And if it is a sufficiently large act, if it is, a, if it is an impactful act, it can basically rearrange the pipeline and it can basically... Uh, come out first or it may result in something else coming out first. So so that way, any good act, not just yajnas or, or homas or pujas, japas, etc., helping somebody, any good act can, can change the pipeline beneficially. So, and specifically worshipping devatas in in fire and and even japa is like worshipping devatas in fire, but the internal fire. So, worshipping devatas in either internal fire through japa or external fire through, a, through an external homa or yajna is very beneficial. It can basically change the pipeline of karmas. And the second thing is, suppose it's not changing the pipeline of karmas, at least Suppose whatever has already started giving the results, the bad karma, suppose it still continues to give the results. At least you are putting a new good karma in the pipeline. So this effect will be seen at some point of time. So either the current effects will be modified, the current karmas will be pushed back and good results will come instead of bad results. That is one possibility. The other possibility is you will continue the suffering, but still you are creating good circumstances for future. Third thing, that creates a state of mind, the sadhana that you are doing, that the karmas that you are doing right now, the other karmas, you basically do relatively good karmas. In other words, instead of cursing somebody who's doing something bad to you and feeling really bad and agitated and doing more bad karmas in that agitation, you have a good state of mind. You are able to accept better what God is giving you as a result of your own karmas from the past. And that balance of mind will enable you to do better karmas right now. Apart from the yajna and homa, the other karmas, mundane karmas that you are doing in the world, they can be better. So there are three, three-fold effect of all these remedial measures. Okay, uh, good to know. So let's move on to matrimony. <clears throat> let's talk about the use of Jyotisha in marriage. How useful is Jyotisha as a, as a Shastra? as a tool uh, in securing a good life partner in the form of marriage. Yeah. So one, one, one obvious thing is if you just see somebody or if you just spend a little bit of time with somebody, you may not know everything about that person. You may think that you have some idea, but the idea may be correct or wrong. And the second thing is people can change. Somebody may seem like a really nice match for you, very compatible to you, but five years down the road, that person's priorities in life may totally change and you may be very unhappy. So Jyotisha, because it gives an idea of what kind of karmic momentum the person is carrying with, 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 with him or her, it allows you to assess how that person's, person will be going forward in the, in the coming years and how the compatibility will evolve with time. So it is very beneficial. It is very, very useful to see how compatible two people are. And apart from compatibility, somebody may be very compatible, but suppose somebody has 
very short life suppose 5 years down the road somebody has a serious danger to life then if one person has a long life if the other person has very short life that is something that you can take into consideration and that's that's something you can't do just using common sense astrology can give you a decent idea of that so that is the other aspect so compatibility of two people and the other aspect is trying to trying to judge how things will be going forward especially with respect to longevity the other thing is children if one of them has some concern with respect to childbirth you can try to balance it with somebody who has a better fortune with respect to children so that can balance out so you can see weaknesses in one person and you can try to compensate for them in the other person's chart so that is the other angle and the final angle is muhurta when you are when you are looking for two people to get married when they enter vivaha vivaha literally means what is vivaha it comes from the root vah vah means to carry actually the word vahana vehicle comes from the same root vah so vahana is that which carries so uh, that is vehicle so vivaha is a special carriage so two people are getting into a special carriage a special vehicle really in which they will travel together now so on the path of dharma artha kama and moksha you are traveling together so it is the beginning of something really uh, important in your life a new phase in your life you are embarking on a new journey with a with a life partner so the time when you start that journey is very important so apart from your own janma uh, chakra your own birth chart and the other person's birth chart the chart when the marriage takes place will have an impact going forward in how your life goes especially the life together so that is that is another thing you can you can use astrology jyotisha to find a good time okay. to maximize the chance that you will have a happy married life okay now have you seen more similarities and compatibilities uh, in people who are of the same varna or does varna play a role in compatibility uh, according to shastras one does not need to marry somebody from one so on varna and one more thing let me let me be blunt about the word varna varna literally means color so varna is the color of your mind it is how it is your aptitude basically so brahmana according to shastras brahmanas kshatriyas actually shrimad bhagavatam clearly describes shri krishna describes who brahmanas are who kshatriyas are who vaishyas are and who shudras are and the way it is practiced today we just take the jati jati varna which is basically by birth jati means by birth so the real definition is if somebody is interested in knowledge interested in uh, reaching god and interested in using his knowledge for the benefit of people around him and guiding them he is a brahmana and if somebody is interested in accumulating power somebody is mighty and wants to use his might to help people around him and protect them he is a kshatriya similarly all the varnas are defined in shrimad bhagavatam by sri krishna and obviously if you are born to a kshatriya you will see all the kshatriya activities around you so that's what you are exposed to so you 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 are brought up with that aptitude but the thing is based on your natural aptitude in your chart and based on your karmas you may 
deviate from your father's varna so in the old days very old days varna was a very fluid concept you got the varna of your father but it, it could change for example vishwamitra was born as a kshatriya but he became a brahmana and valmiki was born as a shudra but he became a brahmana not only a brahmana but a brahmarshi a greatest brahmana basically so like this uh, the way people use varna nowadays is they just take it rigidly based on the birth if you are born in a particular caste you are that caste so so now coming back to the your question if you take the real varna of the person if somebody is of intellectual attitude being born to a being married to another person who's of intellectual attitude will will be beneficial because then you can you can interact more meaningfully but the thing is it's not really a strict requirement as per shastras for example a brahmana a brahmana man can also get married to a kshatriya woman etc so it's it's not a strict requirement but it is beneficial and there is another aspect in the old days people really stuck to their varna because that resulted in a kind of gene pooling in other words certain kind of karmas you are carrying that is why you became a brahmana or a kshatriya or a vaishya or a shudra so those if you if two people of that Uh, that karmic and genetic caliber get married it is likely that their children will also get similar genes so you are doing gene pooling so over after generations if if there is a family of really great scholars and they are only marrying other great scholars children you end up getting really really great scholars with pristine caliber so that was the another aspect so it is it is useful but it's not really required it's not really necessary to marry in the varna but you really need to take the actual varna not the birth cast okay uh, why do so many marriages fail despite astrologically correct matching in terms of date time place uh, and charts two two uh, angles i will i will cover here first angle is practical practically everything is dependent on the deshkala patra we are living in an era where people people have this romanticized notion of perfect marriage perfect uh, soulmate etc so the expectations are like you will get somebody who is perfectly in sync with you otherwise it's a disaster so people are very uh, very willing to move on very very willing to give up and move on whether it's a marriage or whether take simple things like if you have a phone if it doesn't work in the old days people will will get it repaired and will uh, use it whether it's television or phone or any other gadget now if there is a slight hint of a problem people just throw it away and then they just move on from it so that that's attitude this is based on the current deshkala patra the time is like this so that is one angle people are people don't understand that there's nothing called a perfect partner you you just have to there will be some things where there is compatibility and some areas where there is incompatibility you have to work around it so that pragmatism is probably lacking in today's today's uh, world that is one aspect actually let me put it this way if i want to see compatibility with myself if i take myself from 10 years back and myself now and myself 10 years later we may be incompatible we may be totally different so people do change so you have to you are not compatible with yourself at a different point of time so how can you find somebody who is 100% compatible with you so that pragmatism is lacking that is one aspect the other aspect is you said correct astrological matching as i said earlier in this deep kali yuga 
lot of knowledge of rishis is lost or corrupted even some basic parameters are not correctly understood by people so when it comes to matching unfortunately many astrologers i see they just use the standard there is this numbering system gunankas based on different categories there are these numbers out of 36 that you get so if you get a higher number especially a good match so if you get like 28 out of 36 people say that's a good match and you you proceed with the match suppose you get a score very low score like 11 12 people basically reject it but the thing is this is just one parameter one aspect and this is this calculation is based on moon the nakshatra star and the sign that moon occupies in your chart of course moon is very important moon is the manas all these planets grahas are personifications of various aspects of our own consciousness sun is the atma the spiritual essence of a person spiritual core of a person or so to say soul and moon is mind mars is the energy inside you the fire in the belly the dynamism the the aggression etc mercury is your learning ability your ability to understand the world around you and adapt jupiter is the wisdom Venus is the spirit of enjoying things around you, and Saturn is the spirit of hard work and slugging it and getting things done. And Rahu is the spirit of breaking rules uh, and getting things done, not not being bound by rules but getting somehow things done. And Ketu is the spirit of not caring about anything, detachment. So all these planets are personifications of various aspects. And Moon, because he is a personification of your mind, your emotions, your the way you. uh look at the world and look at how world is treating you so because those emotions and mind are very very important moon star and sign are important but the thing is that's not the only thing if the wisdom of one person and the wisdom of other person are at loggerheads that's not conducive to a good marriage if the spirit of working hard in one person and the spirit of working hard in the other person are incompatible that's that's not a good things most importantly venus is important venus shukra is the spirit of enjoyment spirit of enjoying things around you so if the if the if the venus in one chart and the venus in the other chart don't have a good relationship that's not that's not conducive to being happy together so there are there are all these factors you really have to uh, for example my father he never went by these numbers he got people married who had really small numbers sometimes because there were other things that were really much better so in other words like i said there are so many factors but people take one thumb rule they just stick to it they follow it 100% but the thing is that's just one of the factors you have to look at the chart holistically and see what kind of a person x is and what kind of a person y is and will they gel well together so that is one thing that you have to see and also people because and it's also a complex system is it highly complex is highly complex and people have oversimplified see in the old days people who are really intelligent people who are really smart people who had that intellectual acumen they got into all these subjects whether it's poetry jyotisha vastu ayurveda these were all studied by the top the top the cream of the country whereas uh, starting from the time of moguls and later the british now other subjects have been valued and these subjects have uh, lessened in their value so is basically all the smart people become engineers lawyers doctors and basically people uh, i'm i'm not i'm generalizing here but basically uh, perhaps people who are not 
as intellectually uh, as intellectually gifted they really get into this subject and the other thing is because it's not regulated subject and all the parampara knowledge has basically broken down anybody who has a pocket book on jyotish can say i am a jyotish jyotisha so what most people do is priests and other simple jyotishas they just take this table there is a varuhu vadhuvara gunamelana chakra the gunanka table in the panchanga they just look at the table and look at the nakshatra of the bride and bridegroom and come up with a number and say it's, it's matching so the holistic understanding of the chart is basically not taken into account so that is why that is another reason even when people sincerely take astrology into account because they are not applying it correctly as taught by the rishis that is the other reason why things don't don't work out as expected makes sense now talk to us about nakshatras you mentioned you know matching nakshatras so there is this thing on uh, moola nakshatra for uh, a female versus a male so tell us a little bit about some of the nakshatras um, and and gender as it relates to gender in in the consideration of matrimony the way parasara taught there is no difference between vadhu and vara unfortunately people emphasize some of these doshas for vadhu rather than vara but it is really for both bride and bridegroom uh, specifically two nakshatras there there are these gandanta nakshatras jyestha and mula revati and ashwini and ashresha and magha these are these nakshatras come on the border of watery sign and fiery sign so basically bit, the border between water and fire because water and fire are incompatible they are they are inimical to each other's nature inherent nature these nakshatras are the especially the border parts of these nakshatras are problematic but but the thing is specifically ashresha and mula <coughs> are considered problem nakshatras uh, both for bride and bridegroom but the thing is that is because ashresha is owned by sarpa sarpa is snake is not a uh, snake stands for uh, a nature which is not straight forward complicated crooked kind of nature similarly mula is owned by nirati Nirati is a devata. She is a goddess who owns the Nairiti direction. In the, she is one of the Dikpalakas, owns the Nairiti or southwest direction. So Nirati, Nirati literally means Nih plus Ratham. Ratham means either truth or more, more correctly straightforward. So Niratham means not straightforward. Basically, very again crooked, very uh, uh, unnatural and crooked. So, but the thing is, see, there are. If, with respect to every parameter in shastras nothing is really black nothing is white there is good and bad to everything if you take mola i know people who are born in mola nakshatra who are contrarian who are who who, who are drawn to conspiracy theories if a whole world is saying this is how it will be they will say no this is this must be how it is if everybody is saying probably they are all jumping on a bandwagon is wrong so that nirati the non straight forward goddess she basically makes you a contrarian so that is that is problematic in terms of complying with the norms etc so with respect to being orthodox and complying with norms is a problematic thing but the thing is it can result in somebody who is very innovative very they can make great inventions i know people born with mola nakshatra or mola being strong in their chart like lagna and lagnalad in mola 
and they can they can have seen that they can be very innovative so it's not necessarily a bad thing but the thing is there is something about it so you have to be you have to be concerned about similarly like i said asrasha because it's owned by sarpa these two nakshatras specifically asrasha the last pada are more generically second third and fourth padas and in the case of mola first second and third padas but specifically the first pada because it's real kannata so those are problematic but again there are these notions that if somebody is born in those padas with our asrasha madrinla has a problem can die after marriage with mola fatherinla can die there are all these uh, thambrus but the thing is these are not these are not really accurate and in general all these generic thambrus are what it means is if the probability of madrinla or fatherinla dying is 0.0001 in general for those people it is maybe 100 times larger but it's still a small probability so not everybody with mola nakshatra when they get married something happens to the father in law or or uh, or or vice versa so this should be taken with a pinch of salt again if something is well defined and something something can be calculated very accurately people latch on to it people have latched on to a few thumb rules and they basically apply them 100% whereas there are a small fraction of the factor there are much bigger factors and because those factors are more subjective and they require more intelligence to analyze more complex balancing act people just dump them instead they just latch on to these thumb rules so that is the thing so i won't if somebody is born in mola nakshatra or asrasha nakshatra i know lot of great men and women born in mola and asrasha they are living happily their father in laws mother in laws brother in laws everybody is living happily so you don't have to panic the only thing is because other other side may be orthodox you will probably have a little difficulty getting married because a lot of people will reject your horoscope even if you have a terrific horoscope otherwise people will just go by that thumb rule and they will reject the chart so it it may become a little difficult to get married but other than that don't worry it's not it's not that you are cursed but there is one thing because it is a problematic co- combination there are some santis that can be done parasara and brahat parasara horasastram teaches some homa that you can do especially with the trimagga mayamaha mantra he gives the procedure which devata should be invoked and which mantra should be done he gives a procedure so you can you can do it at the time of birth or he says vivaha kale so at the time of marriage also you can do the santi homa but that is just to not that otherwise terrible things happen happen but there is a higher chance of bad things so you are normalizing it by doing some santi homa so you talked about bringing you know deaths to the in-laws and all that through marriage because of nakshatra there is also sometimes where a, a woman sometimes can bring in wealth and shri to a marriage uh, so talk to us about that what nakshatras are Uh, so it's not it's not based on nakshatras but it is based on the chart itself in some people's charts we see that uh, in their chart especially the navamsha chart because navamsha not the rashi chart rashi shows your physical existence navamsha shows your marital life your dharma and marriage uh, in the navamsha if there are some good combinations some combinations that show a link between opening up of fortune blossoming of fortune and marriage it can be both with men and women uh after marriage such a person will have terrific fortune excellent fortune will open up for that person so it 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 is seen based on the combinations in the chart rather than based on any specific nakshatra in general keep one thing in mind there are 27 nakshatras so 
world doesn't have just one, you know, 27 different types of people 20, people with 27 different fortunes world has people with millions of different fortunes so you have to take the whole chart into consideration but it is very real we do see charts where we say that yeah this person is not settled and he's struggling but once he gets married his luck will open up so and it we do see that some people like that when they actually get married they they they, they luck opens and if you find the right person it helps but there is a good chance if there is such a combination in the chart that they will end up finding the right person whether they get astrological help or not can we talk about this manglik or chabai dosham people who are basically told yeah. that they can never get married because of this particular dosha that they yeah with their chart yeah the manglik as known in north india or chabai dosham as known in tamil nadu or kuch dosham as known in known in andhra pradesh this is basically relating to mars and the the notion is that if you have this dosham you can't get married or if you get married your spouse will die people take it really seriously again this is a case of something well defined uh, people basically taking it as a thumb rule and latching on to it instead of uh, missing all the nuances really the thing is kuch dosham is based on mars being in certain houses in the chart to simplify it and then there are exceptions under certain conditions uh, that dosham has been cancelled so there is there are normal people people with kuj dosham and third category is people with kuj dosham but nullified and really what this is doing is let's go back to what i said earlier i said planets are personifications of various aspects of your consciousness mars i said is a personification of is a murti bhava of your the energy the fire in the belly the energy inside you the the force inside you that makes you do things the aggression the dynamism that is why if you take the vedha mantra from rigveda for mars that that is used in navagraha homas and satyanarayan puja etc agnirmurdha divah kakutpati that mantra it says apang retang se janvati so what mars does is he is the agni he is that agni which apang retang se janvati so he infuses all the actions with with vitality so whatever you do the vitality the force that is driving it that is the the fire that is that drives that is the driving force behind everything that you do is mars so in general he is the planet who causes aggression and dynamism who makes you act forcefully he is the force basically so if mars is in certain houses those people are forceful people in general practically you see gentle people and forceful people and if somebody is forceful it doesn't mean is problematic they won't get married or anything if you find the right person for them but, but the thing is they say person with kuj dosha cannot get married to a non kuj dosha person a mangalik should marry a mangalik and not and non mangalik should marry a non mangalik in practical terms if somebody is very forceful and somebody is gentle you don't want a fierce person to marry a gentle person because the gentle person will suffer unless you see other things in the chart you see because sometimes it's not just a matter of bride and bridegroom having the same nature it is a it is a sometimes it is also possible that they don't have the same nature but they complement each other really nice that they become a good team so again it is something to be judged holistically from the whole chart so 
So there may be cases where a Mangalik and non-Mangalik can marry and they can live happily also. But the bottom line is this Mangalik business is about dividing people into gentle people, fierce people, and fierce people who use that fierceness very in a they channel it nicely. So they can be fierce sometimes, but they can also be gentle as needed. Whereas some people are just fierce; they just can't control their temper. So. that's basically the the three groups of people based on mangalik in practical terms are these to give an example one of the rules for mangalik is if mars is in the second house second house is the house of speech so if mars the planet of force is in the house of speech such a person will be forceful speaker he may speak harshly also so that's problematic so if somebody speaks harsh and somebody is gentle it may not it may not uh, it may not be a good match but who knows somebody may speak harsh but the other person may love so much that the marriage may be fine but there is a there is an exception if that house the second house happens to be owned by buddha uh, that is bithunam and kanya then it's okay the kajudosha is nullified what it means is buddha is the planet of nice speech he is the karaka for speech he makes people really eloquent so uh they can they can organize their thoughts nicely and put it in beautiful words so even the planet of force when he is in such a house there may be some force in the speech but still is very thoughtful and very articulate so it's not really a problem so like this if you apply common sense and boil things down to the fundamentals it's all common sense in the end so 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 bottom line is if you if somebody is somebody who's listening to this audio is a mangalik or seeing this video is a mangalik don't worry it's not it's not a problem you will be fine it's not like just that factor won't make you a terrible person it's just it just means that you are more forceful and even that may not be true based on other factors in the horoscope but there is a better chance just based on mars that you are a forceful person so what just find a compatible person to you so again this is an overemphasized factor don't worry too much about it but there is one thing though practically speaking because people put so much damn weight on this particular single factor if somebody is a mangalik or uh, corner cases corner case situations where the the dosha is basically nullified people may judge differently so somebody may consider that you are a mangalik somebody else may consider that you are a mangalik but with the dosha cancel so people may reject the, the a match may be a really good match but people may reject because their astrologer because unfortunately when it comes to matchmaking two astrologers are involved so even if one astrologer is doing a perfect job the other astrologer may be going by stupid thumb rules and he may say oh this is a bad match drop it so you have to be prepared for it so if you are mangalik again just like the mula nakshatra and ashesha nakshatra you may have to work a little hard to find the right match but other than that there's no problem really you will be fine don't don't worry too much about it okay so that is great uh, talk to us now about this 7 plus years of shani cycle the effect of shani dosh lil not shani yeah and how yeah sare sati yeah go ahead sari go ahead no 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 and how often does it come and what are the effects and how can you nullify that shani takes two and half years to move from one rashi to another rashi every two and half years he keeps moving through a rashi so 12 times two and half is 30 so every 30 years he comes back to the same sign so the seven and half seven and half years of saturn is a period when shani is in three different signs three consecutive signs your janma rashi and the sign before it and the sign after it so when shani is in these three signs he is basically he has an influence on your mind at that time so 
that is considered a problematic time thing is i know people who became uh, actually donald trump became president in the in his sade uh, sati and i know even in india people ministers in their sade sati and in my sade sati i i i i i i had a 9 plus gpa at iit madras i was i was second in my class i went to us for masters i got married lot of good things happened i started working lot of good things happened so good things can happen in sade sati don't think that the seven and a half years of saturn is all bad bottom line is like i said earlier planets grahas are personification murti bhavas of various qualities of you various aspects of your consciousness shani is person shani is the son of surya surya is atma and he had a son through um made instead of sanja uh, who who's his uh, wife he basically we had uh, thinking that it, it is sanja he he had a relation with the chaya who was basically the servant maid of sanja because sanja went away and asked chaya to pretend as sanja and then chaya and son gave birth to shani so symbolically esoterically what this means means is soul is sun is the and sanja is the dawn or dusk it is basically the uh, the joint between day and night so spiritually having clarity about your true nature and being confused about who you are thinking that i am this body i need to do this all this so the the, the junction between them is sanja and chaya is the shadow shadow is basically it is lack of light so when you are when you are not aware of your true nature that is basically what chaya means when the so when the spirit and the self doubt uh, self delusion of who you are when they may, when they get together then shani is born and so shani what he stands for is he stands for not knowing who you are but basically being very humble being very disciplined trying to understand who you are so shani really is a planet who gives vairagya who gives discipline who enables people to work really hard and he enables you to finally find your true nature because in the end he is the son of sun he is the sun son of sun son so in the end he will take you to spirit he will take you to your inherent nature which is brahman atman but through hard work so bottom line is uh, shortly shani is the personification of your hard work your discipline so if you are already disciplined and you work hard and you are humble seven half years of shani is not a bad period he will reward you on the other hand if you are proud and if you don't work hard if you want to just relax in a sofa and enjoy life he may teach you a lesson or two so so bottom line is this is a period when you learn the value of hard work so so my suggestion is just learn the learn the lesson of hard work and shani won't trouble you and the other thing is depending on how good shani or how bad shani is in your chart this can be problematic or this can be a great period also thank you now let's shift gears uh, shridhar sir now to talking about the modern uh, issues in in matrimony so one of the things i wanted to talk to you about uh, is ask you was why are some people born with homosexual orientation and desires and what is jyotish shastra's view on this matter and are there recommended pariharas how do you approach homosexuality in uh, jyotisha okay. 
I will, uh, yeah, this is a nuanced subject where there are some people both on the right wing and left wing may have uh, very strong opinions. So I'll try to basically present a balanced opinion. First, astrologically, in the, in the, in, in the old days, in, in Hinduism, homosexuality, uh, homosexuality are being transgender. These things were not frowned on. These were not a stigma in the society. We have, we have examples in our in our in our shastras specifically in jyotisha there are combinations but the thing is uh, rishis did not distinguish between uh, gay men or lesbian women or transgender people they did not distinguish between all these different uh, qualities they just had the male gen- masculine gender the feminine gender and the other gender there is the third gender and parashara gave combinations based on the third gender in the navamsa he gave some combinations based on that he said that person will have uh, the the other gender nature when it comes to marriage uh, when it comes to relations so he did talk about it and and i know because in modern world we have a lot of such people and i do see charts of such people i do know that those things are actually working in practice as a matter of fact several years back i saw the chart of somebody an indian an old indian man when i saw the chart of his daughter i told him i didn't want to explicitly say so i told him your daughter will shock you with her sexuality be prepared for it mentally in a few years not now be prepared mentally and in the end she's changed her gender now she doesn't like the pronoun she she wants to be called as he and they are really they are struggling the mother and father and because they could not support her she became really upset with them the relation is completely torn and they are really stuck so the thing is and this is basically not justifying after the fact this is something that i could see beforehand because it was very clear in the chart so these things are there these things are real and even if you go back to the our itihasas you have the example of sikhandi draupadi's draupadi's sister or brother he was born with both masculine and feminine characteristics and he was uh first he was a she and then he became a he and he also got married to a woman he had normal marriage with a woman but still he wasn't a complete man and he he he, he was actually uh, the main reason how bhishma was could be killed by arjuna he helped arjuna kill bhishma so he, we can find such examples in the in the in our itihasa also and if you look at vasayana kamasutras he does vasayana rishi vasayana does talk about Uh, sexual relations between men and men and between women and women and also we have some sculptures in our you know in india that depict this kind of relations so these things are there and there are some dictums astrologically to judge but there is one thing i want to say the uh, the uh, when it comes to nature of a person there are these stereotypes of this is how men should be this is how women should be the basic nature and conduct in the society so those things are different from sexuality the inherent nature of a person for example a woman can be like a tomboy a man can be very gentle and effeminate so uh, the rashi chart will show you rashi chart and some other varga chakras will show you the nature of a person so men can have both uh, ma- so called masculine and feminine nature and women can have so called masculine and feminine nature so nature is one thing but sexuality is a different thing so vivaha is seen from the navamsa chart which is also the chart of dharma so in the old days in hindu tradition vivaha was seen as a matter of dharma 
and dharma literally dharma means uh, dharma is really what binds a society together these are rules and regulations so that you have a sustainable society you have a society uh, that functions together well so that is the, the real it's not like this is absolutely you cannot do this or this is absolutely something you must do all these rules are established so that you have a society that can function together well dharma is what binds people together it comes from the root dhru uh, which is also the word between dhriti it results in strength basically strength to the society so the the any society is sustained if there are children born in the society so men and women when they when they are bound in the bond of matrimony that results in the birth of children so uh, so that is why that relationship has been overemphasized everywhere in the world in various traditions in the world and the other relations though they weren't stigmatized in hinduism they weren't given extra popularity like they they were covered like in vasa and kamsutra scriptures and they weren't pushed under the carpet but they weren't given over publicity because there is this nature of mind whatever senses are perceiving mind will think more about it and it will resonate with that that is why it is important to think about right things and be exposed to the right thing so if a particular society overemphasizes this it is good to have actually tolerance is a negative word it is good to accept people with different sexual orientation but the thing is if if in the name of acceptance if it is given extra publicity people who are maybe not really fully uh, born with those inclinations may confuse and think that they are born with those inclinations what i try to mean i know this is a very sensitive subject but the thing is when it comes to sexuality this is a very it's, it's a it's, it's like a uh, it's like a spectrum people may have it's, it's not like crystal clear in a in a, in a person or in a chart uh, parashara gave like i said some combinations but again those combinations they are not crystal clear there there is certain aspects of certain planets and the navamsa lagna and on the on the seventh house but the thing is that influence may be dominated by other influences there are various influences so several people may have some indications but the thing is if you are seeing it around you and if you if you if you are over exposed to something you may basically convince yourself at a very young age when your judgment is not really perfect you may jump to a wrong conclusion also in other words in terms of shastras nothing is crystal clear nothing is said like this is 100% things are not black and white there may be extreme cases where things are black and white but there are a lot of gray areas so in gray cases if the society is dri- driving people towards normal sexuality because that is conducive to people men and women getting married and having children etc so that society is sustainable society sustains over a long time that is one way the other way is if you overemphasize the other there may be people who aren't meant for this who may be who may be getting into this so that is the other aspect so this should be accepted and encouraged but basically not over publicized and uh, over influence the minds of uh, influenceable uh very very young people who may not have good judgment so that is the other way to look at it now coming back to the uh coming back to right and wrong see this is the other thing the marriage between men and women is more for dharma dharma means uh, one of the important dharmas of human birth is because you took birth you need to give birth 
because that runa is there so you need to basically you have a runa to rathi rathi and manmatha because of whom you were born so you have to pay back that runa that runa is there but then logically speaking not all sexual relations between men and women are for dharma or for childbirth even though that is the real purpose it is for kama so the thing so you are balancing both dharma and kama in the case of other relations it may be more kama than dharma but the thing is even those people if they adopt children and if they bring up children they can basically contribute to the world but the thing is the runa to rati and marmatha and the runa basically to prajapati in terms of uh, creating children is not fulfilled so that way it is slightly inferior but the thing is it is all in the in the end it is all play of runas runarubandha rupena patipatni sutadayah so based on the runas you get all these relations including sexual relations it is all based on runas so if somebody has runas of that nature with another person and if somebody was born in a particular gender for many lives and and for the first time born in a different gender or something like that along along those lines depending on the runas and depending on the people around one it may it may it may be the right thing for one it may be it, there may be no way around it so in terms of in terms of astrology we do see some charts we do see some charts where it is very clear and only in cases where it is clear i may guide the parents like i said in my example I, where i said your daughter may shock shock you with her sexuality be prepared for it but there are borderline cases where i may not say anything i may just keep it to myself because based on the deshakala patra borderline cases may go either way so that 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 is the other way to look at it in the end i don't i don't i don't think it's a good idea to judge and stigmatize it is a good idea to understand but at the same time we need balance basically over overthinking about something if you think too much about one thing you become that that is what they say in shastras so you should basically uh, in terms of exposure to young people i think the society needs a balance but there is another way to look at it it's all mother's play if if the human population is really growing maybe increase of certain kinds of populations that don't increase the population on earth is not a bad thing so in the end i believe this is all mother's play and there is a reason for everything as society shifts in one direction now you mentioned something very interesting in your uh, talk where you said that uh, over many lifetimes one is a particular gender so is that is that right so if you're female if you're born female you perhaps you've had many past lives of being not necessarily people tend to be born in the same gender but it's not guaranteed people can born, can be born in a different gender the gender is not really fixed not only the gender the yoni is not fixed somebody who's born in a manushya yoni which means born to a human being can be born as an animal in the next life and somebody who's born as an animal can be born as a human being in the next life there are specific examples of this in shastras so in various various scriptures so it is quite possible but the thing is the conditioning from the most recent birth may be more dominant in you so if you if you're if you're born as a woman for many lives that conditioning is strong and suppose you're born as a man after those so many lives as a woman which is possible based on the runas etc if that is the case some of the conditioning a woman would have maybe more dominant in you now does uh, jyotisha deal with uh, matching horoscopes so 
of people with homosexual orientation or is it left to uh, the individual jyotisha who who can match it is marriage of homosexuals uh, even uh, an exercise that one does traditionally yeah we don't have any guidelines for that in the in the teachings of rishis Uh, in in our shastras we have guidance of when somebody may be interested in homosexual relations instead of a normal marriage but we don't have in terms of matching horoscopes the vadhuvar gunamelan chakra we don't really have any specific guidelines but when it comes to taking the holistic approach seeing the whole chart and seeing the nature of each person instead of seeing one as vadhu one as vara one as bridegroom and one as bride and then using these nakshatra based uh, numbers for that i don't have any analogous approach one could perhaps use the same table but i don't know but when it comes to taking the whole chart and seeing okay this person is very emotional sensitive this person is very logical and very practical so if they may argue a lot like that basically this kind of analysis that you do based on the holistic understanding of the chart that can still be done whether it's whether it's a man and man or woman and woman or man and woman it can still be done now let's move on to the optimal age for marriage is age is the legal age that is mandated by the government the optimal age if when you look at matching horoscopes are, are there certain ages you know because it, time is a big factor so can it be you know an, a younger you know when the bride or the groom is younger that it's more optimal to get married so what are uh, should the government mandate the age um, for marriage now uh, one thing one thing is in general when we take thumb, thumb rules they have some logic behind them but that logic may not be universal and the same thing here in general people who are very young may not be mature enough to understand what marriage is and how to adjust with the other person so it makes logical sense that some kind of age should be mandated by the government but at the same time somebody may be immature at 35 or 25 and somebody may be very mature at 16 a girl may be really really mature at 16 and she may be physically ready also so i i don't really astrologically there's no there's no guideline on the right age of marriage so but the thing is practically speaking the right age when you are when you when you are ready for marriage may depend on the person somebody may be ready in their teens whereas somebody may not be ready in their 20s also but what astrology tells you is when you are likely to get married if the time hasn't come you may try hard i know i know some person i know actually a friend of mine a classmate at iit i saw 100 100 and some charts for him matches finally he found the right person he is very happy happily married now but sometimes you just have to see for years and see tens or more than 100 matches but when the right time comes that's it for me my father just saw two matches and the first match he said i hope this she is my daughter in law and she was my wife in the end so for some persons it may be it may be very quick but the thing is it depends on when the right dasha and when the right kochara is coming for you so i can astrology can tell you when the right time when the more conducive time is but in terms of what is the appropriate time there's no guideline but looking at it logically there are advantages and disadvantages in both if somebody is married at a very young age and their personality is mold with time they may they may drift apart but there is another way to look at it if people are married very young 
they can grow together they can basically if they understand that we have to basically be together that uh, that commitment is there they can grow together and, and understand each other better and they can adapt to each other so that is the other angle of it similarly if people get married at a old age they may become more mature and they may be able to make adjustments because they have learned the lessons of life so that's the one angle the other angle is because they are, they are already very old and they are used to certain ways of living they may be more rigid in their in their thinking and in their approach to life and it may not be conducive to making adjustments with somebody else and also biologically in terms of childbearing it may be it may be more difficult so there are pros and cons for both early marriage and late marriage i know people who are married early and they are happy i was married my wife was 21 i was 23 and we are happily married uh, many years now 27 years or 28 years and i know i know some people who had to wait till their late 30s and they are also happily married so it depends it depends on your fortune and the again like i my favorite expression the momentum of karmas depending on the momentum of karmas you will get married either early or late but the thing is don't emphasize on the age but emphasize on finding the right person if you have if you find the right person you will be happy okay so let's move on to other some of the trends that we see in the west now polyandry is a big thing like polygamy uh, is it wrong to have multiple husbands uh, in polyandry as we see or polygamy many wives um, how how does jyotish shastra deal with um, multiple marriages and because even in our own uh, indian tradition also we've seen examples of this yeah we have we have seen various religions of the world whether it's christianity islam or hinduism there are there are precedents for men marrying multiple women and in hinduism you even have the example of draupadi marrying multiple men but the but one one important thing is if somebody has multiple partners the the important thing is at the time you are with one partner you should not be thinking of the other partner at all basically you should, your mind should be focused only on that partner that is what for example when they say draupadi she used to be for, with one husband every for for a year and during that year she doesn't even think of other other husbands and that is basically another definition of pativratcha they, they they say so like that even if somebody has multiple spouses what is important is to have undivided love to the one spouse at a time that is one thing and the other thing is in the end like i said earlier when it comes to dharma nothing is absolute everything is based on the sustainability of the society the how you can hold a society together and how the society can be strong how how different individuals can come together as a society and result in a strong society strong and sustainable society that is the basis of dharma so in days where men were uh, when basically people were people had short lives because of wars etc especially in classes of people who were fighting wars among kshatriyas if you get married to multiple women and if you basically get a lot of children it may be beneficial so some of these conventions these are really conventions rather than uh, absolute rules these conventions come into being based on that desakala patra so unfortunately or fortunately there is a rule today of one person you can only get married to one person unless you belong to a particular religion in particular countries so we should follow that but the thing is logically and dharmically i don't really see a reason for that kind of a rule but astrologically speaking there are rules 
to see the second wife, third wife, fourth wife, etc. in the horoscope. We have we have rules and we actually do apply them in cases that we can find. And they are different. The rules are different based on whether you're accumulating more wives or you're marrying a wife after the death of one wife. The second wife... For the woman uh, marrying... Yeah, yeah. Whether it's man or woman, there are rules in astrology for seeing the second wife. After the death of first first spouse, if you are married again, you see in a particular way. The second second spouse is seen from a different house compared to the first first, uh, spouse. Whereas if you are already married and if you marry another person, that is seen in a different way. So... There are clear rules given in sastras and tradition that that seem to work in practical uh, in practicality. And I know examples where somebody was destined to be unhappy in two marriages, and only third marriage was really happy for him. And indeed, that person struggled. He had one messy divorce, one very quick divorce, and then he's he's touchwood. He's happy now. So the, the, these things are possible. Typically. In today's world, we apply these rules only for the case where spouse passes away or divorced. But there are also rules when spouse is alive and you you don't divorce, but you marry marry another person also, add another person. Now, so take the situation when someone is childless, right? You can have mm-hmm. a parihara of say putra kameshtiyaga type parihara or going mm-hmm. using jyotisha, or you can. Today, you have the option of science where you can get into artificial insemination and methods that science and modern medicine offer. Mm-hmm. What is the uh, stance from a Jyotisha standpoint? What does Jyotisha say about this? From Jyotisha standpoint, basically, uh, we do see some cases. We do see, there, like Navamsa is for marriage. There's a chart called Saptamsa based on dividing each Rasi into seven parts that shows children so in that chart, there are combinations that show you either lack of children or very, great difficulty in bearing children. We see those combinations in the charts. So in those cases, normally we advise, in extreme cases, we advise about, uh, sorry, adoption, adopting a child. But nowadays there is this option of artificial insemination also. So I, I don't really see any, I don't really see anything wrong in that. Uh, Jyotisha does not give any guideline. Jyotisha, see, nothing is, like I said, black and white. In, in Saptansha, we may see a combination that shows a lot of difficulty in getting, uh, getting a child. And in such cases, I have seen they did not succeed and they went for adoption. In some other cases with similar combinations, I have seen that they went for artificial insemination and they succeeded. So when there are these influences, negative influences, that can show basically some going to, through extra lengths to get a child. So it may be artificial insemination, it may be adoption. And one thing I want to say on adoption, people are obsessed with the notion of, I need a child with my own genes, my own blood, my own genes. It's good to have a child with your own genes, but in the end, bringing up any child and turning that child into a very dharmic and contributing adult to a society is a very good karma. It basically pays off serious debts to our own ancestors. So it is a good karma. So instead of just remaining childless and not bringing up any child, it is a good idea to adopt children. And secondly, if you are lucky, you can get a child who's really, really compatible with you. And the thing is, in terms of, in, uh, rather than genetic compatibility, in terms of uh, rather than having the same genes, 
having the same or compatible momentum of karmas is even more important you may get a child with your own genes but karmically he may be so inimical to your your karmas so his dharma and your dharma may be totally at loggerheads whereas you may adopt a child his karmas his vasanas may be so in sync with your own karmas and vasanas and that is even more blessed i know an example of a lady in us she is a class she is a carnatic music expert she teaches carnatic music and she had to adopt a child and the child is so much like her he is he is also so learned in carnatic music and so many same qualities if you actually unless you they tell you that is an adopted child which not many people know they will assume that it is their child because the child is so much like them so in the end it is all your fortune like i said ऋणानुबंध रूपेण पति पत्नी सुधादय सो इफ यू अडाप्टेड ए पर्सन एंड देर इज लाट ऑफ सिंक्रोनाइजेशन इन टर्म्स ऑफ वासना एंड कर्मास दट इज ए ऋण नाउटिंग Uh, any uh, guideline on it any example or guideline on this uh, and i haven't seen any examples also in terms of horoscopes so i don't really have anything intelligent to say on this logically it will seem meaningful and reasonable if somebody is unable to have children so we have an indirect example of this not really using the womb of another lady to uh, to basically grow the Krodha Pindas, but you have the example of Vyasa Vyasa Maharshi when Gandhari has she has this problem with the with the with the uh, shishu in her uh, in her womb. Vyasa basically divides it into hundred parts, puts in kalasas, and basically they are all artificially they grow and then they become they become born. So. instead of in the mother's womb being brought up somewhere else there is a precedent for that but specifically injecting into another woman's womb and bringing up the bringing up the uh, baby there i don't know if there is any any precedent any precedent in the shastras and unfortunately i don't know any combinations that allow you to basically see this kind of things or give guidance astrologically so if there are any examples i'll be interested in seeing those charts and see what is common to those Okay, under what circumstances can one have an abo- uh, abortion, and are there specific pariharas that one should undertake uh, because of these circumstances? Yeah, I know this is a very dicey issue politically, especially in US. <coughs> abortion is bruna hatcha. The the moment a A zygote is formed. Basically, you have, irrespective of what science says, you basically have a ziva there. So, it is basically if you if you get aborted, it is it is a it is a it is a bhranhacha. It is a it is a bad karma. But having said that, we do engage in a lot of bad karmas. If we if we, for example, elect a president who goes to a war and kills hundreds of thousands of people in a country, we are we have a small part in the hatcha of all those people similarly so so much violence is happening in the world and we sometimes consciously sometimes subconsciously we all have a role in some of those karma so we do 
commit a lot of bad karma. So I don't want to single out one thing and say, this is absolute. You must stay away from it. Because in, in some cases, the choice that you have is be- between a bad karma and a bad karma. It's not between a bad karma and good karma. A bad karma and a really bad karma. So uh, when a woman has to bear a child that she doesn't want to for whatever reason, uh, I'm not sure. I don't, because this is a political issue rather than a dharmic issue. So I don't really want to weigh in on a very sensitive political issue uh, from a dharmic point of view. But one thing is, it is a brunacha, but the thing is, is there a karma that you are willing to live with? Is the alternative worse? That is an individual's choice. And I will, I will say that individual should make that choice. But if somebody is forced to make that choice, if somebody is consciously uh, engaging in an abortion, it is good to do some, uh, some remedies for it. And specifically, uh, you can do, you can, you can do uh, sraddha, tarpana, etc. for that child, especially every, if you know the tithi on which you did the abortion on the tithi every year, make sure that you at least do tarpanas. And if you are doing standard pitta tarpanas every day or every uh, amavasya or every, every now and then, because it's a very simple ritual to do. And it used to be part of Nichakarma. If you're doing the Pitta Tarpanas, you can specifically, apart from the generic ones to all the Pitras, you can specifically include that unborn baby to my unborn baby. You can basically do Tarpana. Just, just basically feel that remorse for that action. That is, and, the, and the ritual is a proxy for that feeling of remorse. So it is... It is an unfortunate situation, but there is one thing. I use the word consciously. If you took part in, if, if you engaged in an abortion consciously, sometimes it can happen subconsciously, not subconsciously, but uh, without planning also. Sometimes somebody may be pregnant and even before they know it, very early abortion can happen because I do see some cases where based on the chart, I see that they should have two children. First child should have these qualities. Second child should have these qualities. And what they say doesn't add up. Their first child is actually from the horoscope. It is the second child. What they say is the second child is actually matching the th- third child's qualities. So I, and first child, the horoscope suggests that there's an, there was an abortion. So I, I have seen several examples like this. And when I ask, they go back and uh, check and they say that, oh yeah, actually they, they, miss, uh, they miss periods. In some cases, they even know that there was a miscarriage. So these things happen. So, but the thing is, even when that happens, even though you did not cause it, still somebody that was close to you uh, had a, had an unfortunate uh, end of life. So it is important to, it is important to basically think of those people, those souls. Okay. Uh, and what about uh, when a woman puts up a child for adoption because of, again, adverse circumstances, what kind of yeah. parikara can be done for that? Actually, you don't need to do any parihara for that. Giving a child is actually a good karma. You are, you, you have such, uh, such strong emotions about a child, a mother or even father, but specifically mothers. They have such matrubhava. It is so difficult to let a child go. So putradhanam or putridhanam, as opposed to kanjadhanam, which is at the time of marriage, but putradhanam or putridhanam, giving a child, a daughter or son for adoption is a great karma. It is a good deed. It is a dana really. So there is no parihara needed really. Uh, just find the right people to give them. See if you are if they are if you are Vasudeva and Devaki, and if your son is Krishna, and he goes to Nanda and Yasoda, awesome. But the thing is, if you are giving the child to a bad parents, that's problematic. So make sure that you are giving to a good 
parents but there's nothing wrong in it in the end like i said sal rana ranabandha rupayana so if there is a rana that is why a child is being adopted by certain father and mother so there's nothing wrong in it it is actually good karma to donate the child and it is good karma also for the other people to have the opportunity to rear a child Okay. Great. This has been a very uh, insightful and rich discussion, Sri Rao. Actually, one thing, one thing I want to, I, I wanted to say, you talked about marriage. If some people are not able to get married, there are a la, la, lot of rituals that are possible, but there are two things that are particularly good. Rukmini Kalyanam. If people read Rukmini Kalyanam, the episode where Rukmini gets married to Krishna, that is really auspicious. for people who are unable to get married and secondly if people are not able to get a child because there are some doshas in the chart santan gopal mantra you can search online there is a very simple mantra called santan gopal mantra if you chant that mantra every day as to your capability suppose you can do 108 times do 108 times every day but the most important thing is bhavana very sincerely pray to krishna and say please give me a child like you so with that emotion if you do santan gopal mantra is very very uh very very powerful so these two remedies will be useful to many people is there a time that they should do this rukmani kalyanam uh... you can do any any time but in general most uh, sadhanas work better if you do at a particular time fix a time doesn't matter which time it may be in the morning or evening but fix a time so plus minus 15 20 minutes stick to the time and at that same time at the same place if possible you do you you read rukmini kalyanam every day for a mandalam for 48 days and if you do santan gopal mantra again do 108 times every day for 48 days same time same place it's not a it's not it's not guaranteed to work but it will definitely increase the probability so thank you so much uh, i guess we've learned a lot today been a very insightful and rich discussion sri nasamarao as always so we hope you you know you come again and talk to us about other subjects we look forward to that and thanks again for your time and namaste thank you